Idleman Unplugged is part of the Edify Podcast Network. I want to see your face Pass me by the crowds of people The priests who sing your praise Hello, my name is Shane Idleman, and I'm the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California. It is my personal heart and goal for you to see truth through a biblical perspective. I hope that you enjoy this segment of Idleman Unplugged. We're still in chapter two about fasting, some of the frequently asked questions that come in. The next question is, what about health drinks and supplements? What about health drinks and supplements? Again, fasting is fasting from outside nourishment. Health drinks such as kombucha and others can contain sugar as well as trace amounts of alcohol and caffeine. Uh, when I drank kombucha, I felt the small amount of alcohol it became somewhat addictive to me for a season. It actually increased my craving for alcohol even more. So if you have a history of alcohol addiction or uh, even having a hard time with sugar, avoid drinks with even minimal amounts, especially as you're fasting. But some recommend bone broth and various drinks to aid the body. Although they have some benefits, they can also reignite digestive juices, which lead to hunger. Having a cup of organic broth to take away the edge can help you out from time to time. But ideally, it's best to drink clean, pure water. And again, you can get the book Feasting and Fasting as a free download ebook on the church website. And of course, the addiction one that will help with many things that, uh, that you might be going through. So having a cup of organic broth to take the edge off can actually help from time to time. As I, as I mentioned, a big misconception about fasting is that you'll become sick because the body will lack vitamins and minerals. This is not so. The body pulls vitamins and minerals from stored areas when you are fasting. For those concerned about this, there are water beverages that contain just water, vitamins, minerals, and electrolytes. I would possibly recommend that. So let me take a minute here and stop from the manuscript and talk to you about this. You have to figure out what's best for you. You have to pray about it. What do you want to do? Technically, water fasting, like when you people go to water fasting clinics and things like that, they're not taking supplements and bone broth and lots of electrolytes and things like that. I think they'll have electrolytes there at the facility just in case, you know, if you're getting heart palpitations. and But sometimes they let the body run its course. So you really want to get medical supervision. You want to think about what are you trying to accomplish? So can you have a little bit of bone broth? Sure. You know, it's going to, it might, you know, help you feel a little bit better or some electrolytes, but in some cases it might take you off of autophagy. If there's a calories attributed to it or ketosis, depending on how much you take in, there's not a one size fits all approach. But like I said, your body will pull vitamins and minerals from the body as the fat's being broken down and we store vitamins and minerals, electrolytes in certain areas. But if you're starting to feel sick and lethargic, you know, having a little bit of sodium and potassium, uh, you know, it's not a bad idea. The question also comes up non-caloric, naturally flavored carbonated water. You know, I, there's some popular brands out there. I would try to avoid these when possible. I know carbonated water does not work well for me, you know, a couple of days into a fast. Not only could the aluminum seep into the water, but we also know that the purity of the water sometimes in question, or where do they get these so-called natural flavors? You know, uh, you got to be careful. Uh, having one, you know, might appease hunger for a minute, but I wouldn't get into the habit of having them often. It's the same with chewing gum or anything else that stimulates a taste reaction. So what about supplementation? The topic of supplementation is very broad and too much to cover here, but let me offer a suggestion. As a person 
who was once a big fan of supplementation. I mean, I could have everything up in my cabinet, lots of different things. You know, I've, I've backed off it considerably. I do have maybe there, I think there is a video out there on my YouTube channel that talks about some of the supplements I take, you know, the basic, but I have backed off considerably. I used to take, you know, everything, ginkgo biloba, elderberry, echinacea, colloidal silver with detox teas and green powders and vitamins and essential oils. I would stock up on chlorophyll, calcium, turmeric, along with all the vitamin D, B pollen, fish oil, probiotics. <laughs> so some of these things, though, actually, everything I just mentioned, I think there's a, a place for it. You have to be careful with like detox teas. Fasting is the only thing that really detox the body. These other things, you, know, you have to be careful with this detox program, this detox tea. I mean, there are some supplements that might stimulate you know, the body to release certain things, but you, you want to be careful with that. Some of those are diuretics and it's really not a healthy approach. So the bottom line is that nothing works better than fasting. Nothing is even a close second place. Many of these things can supplement our diet from time to time, but I don't think I would worry about them during fasting. For example, the Advanced Immunological Treatment and Research Medical Center in Mexico is combining vitamin C and K3, vitamin K3 therapy to fight cancer. But wisdom is needed since large quantities of supplements aren't always helpful. Just because something is natural doesn't always mean it's healthy when taken in abundance. For example, if you drop highly concentrated lemon drops, you know, equivalent to 50 lemons in water, is the body able to process that amount of overload? You know, look at how the body was designed by God. So supplements are tricky because there's people out there, you're taking all these kinds of supplements, 70, 80 supplement pills throughout the day. What are the reactions? What are you taking? What are you, what's your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? Because a lot of the things we can get from good God-given organic food, but then there's biohacking where you know people are taking NAD or gamma aminobutric acid, GABA, L-thionine for sleep, and then they throw in their different supplements for lowering blood pressure. They're taking turmeric along with vitamin C, and then this other pill, you know, a couple pills a day that have these concentrated amounts of things like broccoli and greens and superfoods. But it would be better to get those natural from natural sources. Although some may disagree, low dosages of healthy herbs appear beneficial in killing toxins by inducing the body to increase detoxification enzymes. But again, too much can be harmful. I often avoid them when fasting, such as garlic, basil, turmeric, cinnamon, ginger. All those are good, but not during fasting. I, I just, I think that's just, just refrain from those. Even though I've cut way back, I do use light supplementation when needed, such as a lot of the things I mentioned. No one has the market on truth in this area, and science is always learning. But one thing is certain, the body was fearfully and masterfully made. Allow it to heal itself by positioning everything in its favor, which may involve limiting supplementation if you are prone to going overboard. What about juicing? Well, again, what are your goals? Our body uses close to 50% of its energy to digest food. Fasting uses this vital energy to instead clean the body. So think of it this way. It's better to let the body clean itself because juice has a lot of fructose, sugar in it. If a motor is only at half throttle, it will greatly impact performance versus at full throttle. So fasting puts your body into full throttle. Juice fasting, which I like to call it juice feasting because you're consuming, you're not really fasting, you're consuming juice. It does not give the digestive system complete rest. However, the amount of energy used is relative to the type of food we consume. For instance, a green juice drink is much easier to digest than steak and potatoes, right? And then also, you know, you're making mainly greens like, you know, uh, 
dark greens with a little bit of like maybe a half of an apple. And so there's not much fructose, you know, that, that wouldn't be too bad. Buchenheimer Wellhemi, I've mentioned before, you know, they have people on about 250 calorie diet every day of mainly just juice and it works out, works out good for them. To go even deeper is with the water fasting and not taking any nutrients. The problem I've had with juicing in the past is you start to have it and like, oh, I'll just have a little bit more. A couple hours later, I'll have a little bit more and then I have too much carrot juice and then I've got a lot of sweetener and sugar and just versus with water, you know, you're just like, this is all I'm having all day. So it, it's actually can be even easier just to know what you're having and what you're not having. So again, instead of calling it fasting, I call it juicing or juice cleansing. There is, can be a lot of sugar in a lot of what many people call juice. Juicing. They just, I think they just get way too much fructose and that will cause your blood sugar levels. And the reason they lose weight is because there's a, is a caloric deficit. So their body is burning more calories than they're taking in. But theoretically speaking, if you take in 2,500 calories of juice, mainly sugar, you might not lose much weight. And again, how was the body designed? Was it, was, were we designed to drink the juice of four apples, you know, a pound and a half of grapes, 14 carrots, three pounds of broccoli and this and this in the course of a day. But then again, like vitamin C, extreme amounts of that, you know, it has shown very beneficial, not just 50 milligrams here, 50, you know, thousands of mil, 5,000 milligrams, 10,000, 15,000 milligrams. It can be very beneficial. Just take it to the Lord and see what works best for you because there are benefits too, for sure, of juice cleansing. But you have to make sure, is the juice organic? Is it free of pesticides, herbicides, fungicides? If you're getting it in a plastic container at a market, even if it's cold pressed, not pa if it's pasteurized, pasteurization kills all the good things. So there's just so much. If you're going to juice, I would juice at home just a little bit of very clean organic produce. If we consume too much juice from fruit, it will ingest into and turn into primarily into sugar, which I talked about. You won't have the important cofactors such as fiber and enzymes and all those things that are absorbed at once like the body was made. And that's why I tell people, hey, have a whole grapefruit instead of the juice of four grapefruits, you know, if you're going to go that way. Juice affects glucose and insulin levels in negative ways. Again, avoid store-bought juices and, and all the things that I just explained. A juice cleanse is also good for those who can't discontinue medication. On a water fast, the person supervising the fast will often recommend discontinuing all medication and weaning themselves off before the fast. You know, it's kind of the whole point of the cleanse. But remember, drugs are toxic, so we have to be careful there too. Some are necessary. The case of type 1 diabetes, going off medication can't always be done. And so in those cases, I think juicing is recommended along with supervision, or if you've got to maintain a workload, you're a mom and some juice will get you through, amen, I would go that route. You got to maintain working for a while and hey, I'm fasting, but I just, I got to get to work and then hey, take some grapefruit juice with you. I think it's great. I'm just trying to tell you all the pros and cons, you know, how autophagy works, ketosis works, how the body works, and then you decide what is best for you. What do I eat when I stop fasting? Okay, what do I eat when I stop fasting? The longer the fast, here's the key. The longer the fast, the more careful one must be when refeeding. It's called refeeding. And there's something called refeeding syndrome, which can really jack you up. Oh, let me tell you. I mean, I remember just coming off a seven-day fast. You know, I ate a little bit. Hey, I'm feeling pretty good. And so I ate a little bit more, feeling pretty good. And then I just ate some more and it just it caught up with me and 
boy, oh boy, did I feel it for probably two days. Not only that, I think it messes up your hormone levels. I mean, I felt these, these wide swings in depression and this, and you just got to introduce food very slowly. And it depends again on how long the fast is. A fast of three days water only, you know, you want to take the next, the fourth day to just juice and do it easy. Seven days, and you might want to take a couple days. People who've went 40 days water only, I know they recommend at least a week and a half or so, a week of just refeeding. And that, that requires even more discipline. So you got to prepare your, your mind mentally for these things. So short fasts of a few days do not require as much forethought as fasts of one week or more. I never advise going back to junk food or addictions after the fast. So during, during feed, refeeding, make sure you do not go back to the addictions that you're trying to get off of. Now you might fall and go, I should have had that. I really blew it. That's okay. Get back on track. The problem is when we fall and we keep falling and we stay in that, that lifestyle of defeat and guilt and getting overweight. And, and so, you know, get back up, fight again. Ending a fast is a wonderful opportunity to start a new beginning. That's why I wrote that book, 40 Days to Reset Your Life. A few years ago on a, when I was fasting, I wrote that book because it's a wonderful opportunity to reset your life or your gut bacteria. You know, microbiome is a big topic right now. We, we're finding we have lots of gut bacteria in our gut and resetting all of this is so important. So plan ahead by researching what refeeding is and what does your physician recommend or physicians you can follow. I give off a lot of names and, and there's some things they say that I don't agree with. Some of these guys believe in evolution, but Dr. Alan Goldhammer has a lot of great information. I just actually spoke with him this week. Dr. Jason Fung, lots of good information. Peter Atia, Gary Brecka, Ben Greenfield, a few of these guys I know and they're They've got some great resources on fasting and how long to fast. And there's a Mindy, Dr. Mindy, I can't remember her last name. She's got some great fasting videos. Plan ahead, you know, research refeeding and what, what, what's going to be best for your body. Most recommend refeeding with fruit just a little bit every few hours. Definitely maybe just starting with juice. And again, depending on the length of the fast, it can take some time. Make sure to factor in refeeding into your fasting calendar. See, here's where a lot of people blow it. They look at, okay, I'm going to seven days right here. I'm going to fast. And then they forget about days eight, nine, 10 and making sure, you know, you don't have events going on and birthdays and barbecues. You know, you got to factor that in for sure. Refeeding it to me is almost as important as the fast itself. For every week of fasting, I add two days of refeeding. For example, those who fast for three weeks need to incorporate an extra week for refeeding. I know a handful of people who've experienced digestive pain by jumping right back into old eating patterns or by eating too much, even healthy food, right? When the fast is over, most are inclined to eat too much and the wrong types of food. So don't focus on your favorite burger or pizza at the end of the fast. Focus on juice and like, hey, this is part of the cleansing process. You're still cleansing, you're reintroducing food. And as a matter of fact, I know this for certain, you will gain back, you know, a good five, six, seven pounds because you're getting rehydrated. There's fiber now in the gut, but you can actually continue to burn fat even when you start to refeeding depending on, on the types of food, the caloric deficit, you're not going to start putting on fat again unless you're consuming too much and of the wrong material. I mean, Dr. Alan Goldhammer talks about this, salt, oil, and sugar, and how if we just really watch our diet, we can continue to burn fat and keep a healthy weight even after the fast. So refeeding, let's talk about this for a minute, refeeding and genuine hunger, refeeding and genuine hunger. When real hunger returns, you often don't feel sluggish, mad, or moody. The reason we feel grumpy when a meal is missed is because we have established eating patterns. And when we begin to go off of these established patterns, then we know what happens. The bad feelings come in. 
So these bad feelings are often a sign of cleansing and cleansing hurts. When the body is constantly fed, it has no time to detox because it's always in digestion mode. For this reason, many encourage not eating until lunchtime before breaking the nighttime fast to allow the body to detox. Hence the word break fast. Breaking the nighttime fast doesn't have to begin with an early meal. When we eat and feel better, the feeling better occurs because the body gets a fix, just like an addict would. The energy that was being used to detox the body is now being rerouted to digest and assimilate food. As a result, the person avoids a detox state because the process of digestion starts over again, a process we never break free from unless we fast. When we eat and eat again and eat again, we do not cleanse. So think about that for a minute. Breaking the fast, that's why it is good sometimes to go a while in the morning and not eat. When you begin to eat again, it has to break off from the cleansing process and has to go right into digesting and processing the food. When it comes to genuine hunger, and most of you listening to this, I'm well aware, are never going to experience genuine hunger. I never have yet because for most of it's going to come quite a while. If I'm 6'2", right now, say 210, 215 pounds, technically speaking, I can go probably a couple months, 60 days, 60 pounds, and I would be, what, 150 something, 155, 160. Not healthy, not a good idea, but genuine hunger might not even return until then. Or sometimes, let's say, a person does have to lose 50 pounds, but after 35 pounds, fasting for a month, they get this, this feeling and genuine hunger does return because the body has accomplished what it set out to accomplish. And that's when genuine hunger would return. It's not relatable to most, but I will say this. Genuine hunger basically says, hey, it's time to eat because the reserves have been depleted or the cleansing has ran its course. And maybe some people, maybe it returns after a couple of weeks. You know, it depends on the individual, what the body is telling you. It's not affected by mood swings or things like that. It's driven by a biological need. It usually starts in the throat and mouth. You can tell, okay, the, the body's saying, hey, it's time to eat. So that's a good thing to know. Good thing to have for those uh, who might experience that in the future. And then, of course, the section, who shouldn't fast. I won't spend too much time here because it's it's pretty obvious. I'm just going to just tell you the, the three body types. Number one, children, of course. But you read books in the past, they would have children who are sick with the cold or flu. They would fast them on water for three or four days. And healing would happen much, much quicker. But as a standard rule, you know, kids should be careful. Kids today are overfed, not underfed. So if anything, we need to, I think, back away from all this junk and garbage and abundance that we are feeding the kids. Get them outside, get them active. And remember three meals a day. Remember that? That's how I grew up, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then the snack industry came in. And so children obviously are an exception to fasting, but I think we do need to pull back from the amount of calories and things like that. Also pregnant and nursing moms, I think it's important that you get your calories in. But a pregnant mom, she came up to me and said, can I fast? And I would say, in other words, for our corporate fast, for our church, I'd say definitely, but here's how. It's not water only. The baby needs the nutrients. What you can do is go super, super healthy. You don't need a glass of wine at night. You don't need a Starbucks Vente. You, so you can incorporate an incredible fast to where the baby will benefit. So I wouldn't call it a fast. I would call it, you know, while we're fasting, you can incorporate a healthy eating program that will really benefit you. And when you're saying no to the flesh, no to all these things, there are spiritual benefits to that as well. Also, I talk about under underweight people, and it depends how underweight are you. 
where they're so thin that you can see that, you know, you see the rib cages, they're just depleted. That, that type of person should not fast at all. They need to get on a very healthy eating program. But there are people like, hey, he's pretty skinny, he's slender. Well, yeah, but he can, he can still fast. Trust me, there's a lot of fat, visceral fat. So most people, even though they're slender, they can fast. And I know of people who have had a hard time putting on weight once they go on a fast, say a week, seven day fast, water only, then they gain back that weight and they also gain back even more weight the weight they wanted because they were able to reset the body. So those are mainly, you know, of course, anorexic, bulimia, eating disorders, you know, get prayed for, get help. It's, it can be really, it's, it starts in the mind and what we think of ourselves, body perception. Once you start to, to eat well and get those nutrients back in you, then you can think about fasting at a later time once that first hurdle has been overcome. Can I tell others I'm fasting? Now, this is pretty important. Can I tell others I'm fasting? This question arises from Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 18, that we should not appear to be fasting. It's a heart issue rather than an information issue, okay? It's okay to tell people you're fasting if you need to. I mean, if you don't need to, you don't need to. But it might be good to let your wife know or your husband know, hey, I'm not going to be eating or your kids, and here's why. It's a heart issue. So you cannot tell anybody you're fasting and still be very prideful and arrogant and it won't get you any benefit. I can tell my staff, I can tell my wife, I'm going to be fasting this week just, and God will honor that because I'm not telling them to be super spiritual. I'm letting them know, hey, I'm not going to make this event or this fellowship or here's why I'm drinking water or especially if we call a corporate fast. So a limited amount of people I think can know. After all, how do we know that Jesus fasted? Well, he told people, Elijah, anybody in the Bible, how do we know they fasted? Because they told people. And or God supernaturally, I guess, recorded it, you know, without their knowledge. I don't know, but it's okay to tell people from time to time uh, if you need to. You just don't go around, hey, I'm fasting, man, I'm so spiritual. That's what it's about. It's a heart issue. That's the whole point. I don't know how people miss this, honestly. You know, their transparency actually motivated us. Whereas if you're going out of your way to tell others and posting on Facebook and Twitter, look at look at what I'm doing, man, I'm so spiritual, I'm fasting, all oh, this is hard, then Matthew 6.18 would definitely apply. However, God may release you after the fact, even those who say they're not telling anyone, he might release you to let people know and tell them, to motivate them, to help them. So that's between you and God. I know some people have fasted, they didn't tell anybody, but felt released, you know, months later, a year later. So it's between you and God. But do not misapply Matthew 6.18 for sure. Keep in mind that most... Most people frown upon fasting largely because of wrong information. Also, people may feel guilty if others are fasting and they are not. So do not flaunt fasting and don't let people discourage you. Uh, we need to be encouraged, not not discouraged when we are fasting. And also read Isaiah 58 often. That will help. I usually try to avoid the subject around others unless I'm leading the church on a corporate fast or someone needs to know. When someone says, you look skinny, are you sick? Why are you starving yourself? We can respond, I'm not starving myself. I'm feeding my spirit, recapturing my health, and feeling good in the process. It is sometimes those who stop by McDonald's and Starbucks who feel the need to lecture others about fasting. The question shouldn't be, why are you fasting, but rather, why aren't you fasting? All right, let's get into when should a person fast? When should a person fast? fast. This is really important too. It's a quick, quick little section here. Well, opinions are mixed, but I'm going to base it on my own personal beliefs and some scriptural support too as well. I mean, the Bible, we know that Jesus said, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. So that tells me it should be fasting mode, fasting mode. There should be something in our our lifestyle should revolve somewhat around fasting, not being extreme, not making it, you know, legalistic and not always be known for your fasting and you're always fasting and you're no fun because you're fasting. No, but it should be, hey, you know, certain days of the week, I'm going to 
fast. I'm going to seek God and nobody needs to know about it, but it is an important topic. So when should I fast? Number one, when the Lord leads you to fast. When this occurs, the conviction is that it's time to starve the flesh and seek God. I believe, you know, when God has led me a few different times on fast versus I, I think you can fast on your own. Like as far as Jesus said, hey, I'm going to fast. So next week I'm going to fast. I don't really feel leading, but that's more of obedience. I don't feel led to pray, but I need to pray. I don't feel led to give, but I need to give right? When you give, when you pray, when you fast. But then obviously when the Lord leads you, you're, you're going to know. Number two, when you're feeling spiritually drained. Yes, yes, yes. When you're feeling spiritually drained. When Jesus said, when you pray and give, he also said, when you fast, check out Matthew six. So when something is expected by the Lord, it's wise to do it and do it often. But when you're feeling spiritually drained is a good time to do it. Third a thing to consider before taking on a huge task or when making an important decision, it is time to fast. Moses received the Ten Commandments. When he fasted, King Jehoshaphat experienced victory. Elijah was restored. Ezra received direction and protection. Esther was saved along with her people. Nehemiah was strengthened. Jesus was empowered. On and on it goes. The history of God moving when men and women fast is seen throughout Scripture. Before taking on a huge task, definitely consider it. Next, when feeling sick, tired, or sluggish, or if you need to lose weight. It's time to fast. Once a week, I suggest a person should maybe, you know, if you miss breakfast or miss lunch or you miss something, think about what, what you're doing. Okay, Lord, today on Fridays, I'm going to miss lunch and I'm not going to overeat at night, right? What's the point? Fridays, I'm missing breakfast and lunch. and Instead, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to seek you. You might not feel like it some of the days, but some days incredible breakthroughs can follow because you're setting aside time to seek God. So you can't always do it just when you feel like it. It's good to set things aside. So that's when I would do it. I would incorporate it weekly if you can, if I'm feeling sick or tired, if I'm going to take on a huge responsibility, or if there's a huge prayer request, that would definitely fall under that heading. You know, if I'm feeling spiritually drained and beat up spiritually, I definitely fast. And then of course, when the Lord leads you, history shows that light eaters who are not overweight live the longest and have the most productive lives. Fasting is a lifestyle, not a fad. And again, I'm not known to be slender. And so I know it's challenging. I know it's hard, but I think we should incorporate more into our lifestyle. How you fast is just as important as when you fast. And I'm not going to go into a lot of details on this. I want you to read Isaiah 58.3. Why have we fasted and you have not seen us fasting? Why have we done all this and you have not seen us? Well, in short, it's because their fast lacked obedience. It was fruitless. They were not being nice to people. They were being mean, mean-spirited. So your attitude, you have to make sure your attitude is right with God. If you're holding on to sin or remaining bitter, arrogant, taking advantage of people or gossiping, backbiting and hurting others, fasting will do little good for you. I would encourage you to consider getting your heart right before the fast. Get rid of unforgiveness and bitterness. Uh, turn off the negative social media, other distractions. The key to fasting is humility. So the releasing of the appetite must correspond with the releasing of sin as well. In Isaiah 58, 9, God did encourage them with these words. Then, once you get your heart right, and once you give to those who are poor and, and help the needy, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. Although God still hears our prayers, even when we don't fast, obviously, thank God for that, we launched a church and we began a ministry without fasting. So I, I know that. But fasting does draw us closer to God and makes us more sensitive to his will. Do we really believe that we are walking in the fullness of our God-given potential when we're continually feeding King's stomach? Fasting expands that horizon. The door of possibilities enlarges when we fast, and the power of the Spirit is magnified. Jesus returned, and the power of the Spirit 
after fasting. And I wonder if that can apply to us as well. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Thank you for listening to us today and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Eidelman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidleman.com. Again, that's shaneidleman.com. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality and Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these ebooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.